Hello and welcome to night number 21 of 31 Nights of Frights, year 4, the Stephen King of Horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night 21 takes us to a Stephen King movie adaptation favorite, starring D. Wallace, Daniel Hugh Kelly, and some truly amazing dog actors. Yes, dog actors. This is the 1983 Louis Teague directed Cujo. This one tells the story of Cujo, a lovable St. Bernard who is chasing a rabbit and winds up getting bit by a rabid bat. Of course, Cujo comes down with a case of the rabies and it goes and turns this lovable animal into a terrifying murderous creature. Add the whole subplot of the Trenton family, such as Donna Trenton, played by Dee Wallace, who is a unhappy housewife who seeks the company of their repairman, Steve Kemp. Her husband, Vic Trenton, played by Daniel Hugh Kelly, is the hurt husband who is still trying to spend time with his son, yet moved out of the house for obvious reasons. One day, Donna Trenton needs to get her car fixed, her Ford Pinto, and that's where things spiral out of control for when Donna and her son, Tad, along with Vic, when they met Cujo before, he was a nice, friendly dog. Now he is this murderous killing machine that traps Donna and her son Tad in their Ford Pinto for days. Cujo, Cujo, Cujo. This is a film that I honestly didn't like a whole lot when I was growing up. I've seen it uh, many times over the years, and that's mostly thanks to AMC. AMC seems to really love this film, or at least to play it during October. I understand it is an effective movie. I think the AMC version is heavily cut, and for whatever reason, I remember the scene with Donna being trapped in the car with Tad. I remember that being almost the entire chunk of the movie. Maybe it's because they decided to incorporate a lot of commercials into their showing of Cujo? I don't know. But what I do know is, I never saw it fully uncut from start to finish. Honestly, it's a very effective horror film that keeps the tension level high, especially during these trapped in the pinto moments. One of the most amazing things about Cujo is that it's actually a prequel to the Beethoven film series. <laughs> That's not true. I'm sorry for throwing that in there. Alright, so anyway, back to Cujo. It really is a good movie. I think D. Wallace gives a absolutely fantastic performance. She's distraught, she's trapped in this Ford Pinto, her son looks like he's having seizures or he's having trouble staying awake, and I'm guessing that's because of the pure terror of Cujo, so we have that added fact there. And she honestly makes a great hero in the movie too, when she finally does kill Cujo and gets out of the car. We're rooting for her. We want to see her get out with her son. It's almost a cheer-worthy moment when she survives her second attack from Cujo. We even get a third attack from Cujo again. It's a cheer-worthy moment. I was truly impressed with Dee Wallace's performance. I mean, I've seen her in a whole bunch of movies such as Critters and E.T. and such. She was, of course, in The Howling as well. 
You never hear her talked about very much as far as being a scream queen. She's in a whole bunch of different horror films, and I think she definitely deserves that title since it's a title that, you know, at one point may have been like a derogatory thing because somebody's only in horror films. And of course, Dee Wallace, she's been in a whole bunch of different things. But I really do think if it's a badge of honor, I think she really does need to be referred to as one of the best Scream Queens around. We can even go one step further and say that Cujo proves that she is a great actress. A little side note here, it was actually really fun to see Dee Wallace return in the direct-to-video film Critters Attack. The other amazing actor that I think is probably as good as Dee Wallace would have to be the various dogs used in Cujo. It's absolutely amazing the stuff that they were able to pull off with these animals and these dog actors. They're trained really well. I know that if you read some of the trivia, the dogs were way too nice on set, which led them to use a Rottweiler at one point to appear more ferocious. And there was a mechanical head of a dog as well. I know that a lot of this had to do with some creative editing, but the fact that this movie was made in 1983 without any CGI augmentation because it didn't really exist in that manner just yet, it's absolutely incredible what director Louis Teague was able to accomplish with this film. Last little bit as far as the acting that I really want to talk about, actor Danny Pintaro. Of course, he was... A year later after this film, he was on the TV show Who's the Boss as Jonathan. He does a great job here, and if, again, you read the trivia, he wasn't even reading yet. He was age of six, he wasn't reading, and his mom had to help him with his lines on set. The fact that we're believing that he's really in danger, he's really having these seizures, he's having trouble waking up, he does a great job for a child actor. It's again something that is truly impressive. I do have to mention about the direction of this film. Director Louis Teague really does an outstanding job on this film. I haven't seen many films by him other than Cujo as well as Cat's Eye. I think Cujo is the stronger film. It is nice to see that he did reference his own work in Cat's Eye such as having the Saint Bernard there that chase down our hero cat in Cat's Eye. There's absolutely one shot in Cujo that I think is fantastic, and that's where it's a full 360 degree shot inside the car. It gradually picks up speed with each revolution. I was wondering how in the world they did that with 1983 technology. Something that didn't work 100% for me was the whole adultery subplot. I know that it is almost essential for everything to happen in Cujo. I'm assuming it's present in the original source material, but I don't know if it's handled as well as what it should be or could have been. There's a point of the movie where Vic finds out that his wife Donna is cheating with Steve. He previously had suspicions, but it's at a point where Steve gets a little almost rapey. It kind of seems out of left field because Steve didn't really seem like that bad of a guy, but now that he's being cut off, he gets that he wants to rape Donna. It just didn't really add up. Maybe there should have been more scenes added for that. If they would have added a lot of those scenes, it probably would have felt padded. 
And I think that's one of the best things about this film is that it's actually really well done as far as pacing throughout the entire movie. It's only about an hour and a half and it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome. It doesn't feel too short. It almost feels perfect with what's presented. I will say that one scene was just very odd with the way it was done and that's where Steve being the jilted secret lover proceeds to break into Donna and Vic's home. What does he do? He decides to take a knife and cut open the pillows and the bed and throw all the down all over the house as well as leave the front door open? Why in the world would you do such a thing? The guy didn't come off as that much of a creep, but with that scene it shows that yeah, he's truly a creep. I don't know, the whole scene didn't really work well, but I guess it's supposed to add in a whole idea of there's a possible murder subplot, especially with Vic not knowing what's going on. He's just worried about his wife or maybe possible ex-wife and his son. He's concerned for him. It's just, I don't know, that just felt like a really weird scene. One of the more interesting things, and I think one of the reasons of why Cujo is such a beloved film, the book, I know, is one of King's most famous works. The movie is very beloved by audiences, and I think for good reason. Mostly because it gives us a very different kind of horror. We're with the survival type of horror. We never once doubt Donna and Tad are in danger. We want to see them survive. Seeing Donna go into full protector mode for her son is carried out really well. I really don't like the ending for this one. The ending feels very abrupt. I guess that's kind of in true Stephen King fashion since a lot of his books don't have a great ending. I just didn't care for the movie for the most part just cutting off. It's the ending that we got. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. The other odd thing is that this movie does differ from the source material. I'm not really comparing the two. I'm glad that they didn't go this route because it seems that it's heavily suggested in the book that Cujo is being possessed by the killer from Stephen King's The Dead Zone. So I guess in that way it's kind of a sequel of sorts, uh, I don't know, spinoff, but I don't think I would have bought the whole possessed dog. Considering the Dead Zone film came out almost around the same time as Cujo within the same year, I can see why they removed any of that since the Dead Zone was set up at Paramount and Cujo was not. It's probably better for the movie that they didn't go Possessed Dog. I think Rabbit Dog and having the movie more grounded I think probably works much better for the story. Overall, Cujo, if you have never seen it before, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it for quite a few years, you probably want to go ahead and revisit that because it's definitely worth a watch. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you need to catch up on past episodes of either 31 Nights of Frights, since there's four years worth of content there, or need to catch up on my weekly podcast, Adam Analyzes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and would like to reach out to me, you can do so at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you are enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Why not tell two friends for that matter? 
or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. And you know, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I'll see you back here tomorrow for night 22.